from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from SQL CFO. Joined with me, Paul Meisner from the soon-to-be-famous Five Ways Group. More on that later. And we are brought to you by BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software. Paul, do you want to say hello before we jump into your best on grounds? Uh, we will. Hello. Thank you, David. Uh, hello, listeners. Hello, all. Uh, welcome back. Another uh, jam-packed episode. And I will let David go to the first for, for purely selfish reasons. I will let you get into the best on ground, David. Any other week I would have made this worst on ground, but we were supposed to meet in your office at midday today and I messaged you this morning and said, mate, can we just do it online? I'm a little bit, you know, can't be bothered, it's raining. So you're getting in best for this. Paul Meisner, congratulations on making the finals at the Zero Awards 2019 in the category of Cloud Champion of the Year. Thank you very much, David. And honoured, honoured. Uh, and look, this is uh, – there are lots of awards, David. There are an awful lot of awards. Uh, I don't uh, I don't apply for any of them except for this one. Uh, so, no, it was good. And I am uh, – I am I have cloud championed uh, a lot <laughs> in 10 years. So we'll see how it goes. The promise of a pretty good prize up for grabs, uh, I think, David. So, anyway, fingers crossed. Um, and congratulations to all of the other finalists across all of the other categories, uh, app, business. Very humble of you, Paul. Well. Very humble. Let's bring back that ego that we had in the pregame where you're talking about how you're going to win the whole thing like I did before all the awards that I was nominated for last year. No, no, no. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't put <laughs> no, anything very in humble. my diary. Very I haven't, humble. Very I haven't, humble uh, I haven't yes, put any cart humble. before any horse. I would, I would be honoured to win. Very uh, congratulations to all the finalists in this one. Um, Bean Ninjas up in Queensland run a really cool firm, Carbon Group out of WA, who are just storming across the country, taking stakes in other firms up for bookkeeping partner of the year. I'm not familiar with any of the uh, accounting partner of the year. A, a lot of there. a lot of lesser known names, David. And I think that's that's good that it'll bring, like that. it'll bring a little bit of uh, variety to it. So no, it's 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 yeah, good. I agree. And also congratulations uh, to BGL, Practice App of the Year. I mean, after coming fifth in the AFR's Most Innovative Companies of the Year Award, this might seem like small fry, but I bet you the team would value taking home the Practice App of the Year. BGL and Account Kit. So talk about about a meteoric rise if Account Kit can pull that off uh, as well. Why is it meteoric? Uh, Just, I mean, uh, what is it? Ron calls himself the, what is it, the... uh, the twenty-year-old overnight success, or the oldest, the, yes. the longest overnight success. Thirty. Um, you know, BGL has been around for for a long time. Um, account Kit. I, I just, I'm a big fan of as well as BGL, but I'm also a big fan yeah. of just the way Account Kit go about it. There's no fluff. There's no. There's no marketing. There's no hype. It's just. It's just their product. A lot like BGL. Um, BGL just have a bigger budget. <laughs> And I dare say the other finalists in that category practice ignition of a pretty decent budget post there. How much did they raise? Twenty eight billion. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, also, really cool from Zero to include in the awards uh, customers as well. So small business being recognised alongside their advisors is pretty cool as well. That's a nice little award that's on the marketplace. Congrats, Paul. I'm going to give an example of why you've made the finals of this award, though. On the 9th of September, so we were at ZeroCon, and the, the Stripe integration was announced. You got all excited. You thought it was going to be the complete solution, and you come up and you said, this is a game changer. You put this on Twitter on the 9th of September. I said, you, you said, I'm reading this. This tweet will be in our, our notes. Head to fromthetrenches.com.au, sign up to our newsletter, and you'll get this link. Is there any way to create recurring invoices from an accepted quote rather than create the invoice, then create the recurring, right? That's what you put out on the 9th of September. Five days later, Craig Walker, what's Craig's position at zero? Uh, he just he built it. He built he builds pretty much all of the code, I think. Well, not anymore, but he he built the first line of code. He's a pretty important bloke. Yep. Comes back, yeah, yeah. We shipped it this morning. Sorry for the delay. Just go to quote options and copy to. Five days later, you you had a feature request updated. I think people who sit in the forums and put feature requests on zero, hoping that zero pick it up, will be very envious of the influence you've exerted there, Paul, to get that great feature out. And- Congratulations, mate. You've, you, it's a pleasure doing this show with you, and you are definitely a worthy finalist as Cloud Champion of the Year. Appreciate it, David. That was uh, that was a pretty fair turnaround. I'll give you the tip. Uh, was very was very happy with that. Matt Paff himself on Twitter said uh, voiced his absolute surprise at how quickly and how efficiently. Uh, I won't say I got that done. It was just my suggestion. Clearly, uh, Craig Storman. What people don't know is that <laughs> what people don't know. We can celebrate this. You're like that's one out of five thousand suggestions you've probably put through over the last. Uh, to, to be honest, to be honest, I am I'm batting a thousand with Craig. Admittedly, I don't get a lot of time to uh, chat to him. But uh, over the ten years, David, I have had two major feature requests built in similar time. Uh, there was another round about the naming conventions around downloading reports, which I take credit for uh, every time I speak to the zero people. But anyway, thank you very much, David. That was good. Look, and and, and I know I, I've used the um, Stripe integration, the recurring invoices. I've got a client going through it. Let me tell you, uh, there'd be I reckon there'd be some some client engagement add-ons uh, a little bit worried because it w- it is inside zero right now, and it is very efficient in. Uh, in zero. Anyway, uh, my- And a big apologies, listeners. We're six minutes into the show and all we've done is talk about how good Paul Meisner is. Condolences. Oh, we are? God, I didn't even realise it gone that way. Yes, <laughs> yeah, apologies. All right, right well, let's move let's on. Let's keep going. Auto entry. My next best on ground. Oh. oh, you're going. All right, you go. We'll go one at a time. From the trenches, uh, auto entry was bought by Sage. Um, yeah, big one. We had you know Hubdocs gone to zero. Auto entry has gone to Sage. This is a really interesting, um, interesting for me. Two really quick reasons. One is obviously the Hubdoc, uh, you know, sort of jumped ahead of I guess receipt bank in in that play and got bought by zero. But now auto entry by Sage. You gotta gotta ask yourself in a way. Um, in a way, what's next, and also what uh, what comes of Receipt Bank? Uh, quite interesting. The other very interesting thing for me, David, is I wonder if we're seeing the third, you know, the next generation of these products going away from that best of breed and now into into one system. Whether we're coming back into that less app ecosystem, more in core features inside one product. Uh, that's my question that, that if I was a futurist, I'd be loving it to know the answer. 
I spent a bit of time on uh, understanding the tech behind these OCR tools, OCR's optical character recognition. And the tech has come along so far in this space that it's it's just not innovative anymore. So you can you can go to Amazon and you can wholesale buy this stuff a thousand pages for a dollar fifty. It's an Amazon product. A th- you could effectively get a thousand receipts coded for a dollar fifty. Now it's not as simple. I, as I that think it's what you do you with the data. Build, build a layer on top of it, of course, and that's where these businesses are emerging. But the core IP, the core technology, the code of the bulk of that work, taking a scanned document and turning it into digital data that can be pushed somewhere is basically a wholesale product now. I mean, technology has moved so fast, particularly on apps that do um, scanning and OCR stuff. I think the future is, you know, it's going to be fascinating that we now say, well, well, what else do we do? We've We've nailed receipts and invoices. What next? Because this technology is very, very cheap. Yeah, I think it's the add-on to that technology. Definitely the core product of the OCR is uh, very heavily available. But anyway, it'll be interesting. I wonder who's next. Um, QuickBooks are pretty much the only one without it. Admittedly, they have the money to build it if they so choose. But it'll be very interesting. What Uh, else you got? That's actually a good point. They don't have their own one. Hmm. Interesting. Watch this space. I'm going to ask a few insiders on that one. I reckon a few people will know a bit more than us, Paul. Uh, what else have I got? Hey, some really cool coming out um, from the government about financial products. Obviously, just a second. Just a second. Commission Can you world. go back a sec? Something very, what did you say? Very interesting coming out of the government. Is all right? I just I wanted to make sure I heard that right. <laughs> I actually thought you were interrupting the recording because I said something I wasn't allowed to say. No, I just wanted no, to no, surprise you said it, something. <laughs> It is, but it is very interesting. So you've got all this stuff happening post-Royal Commission, like regulators are getting a bit of teeth. And one of the things that's come out is regulators saying that banks need to stop hiding behind these unbelievably thick, fine print product disclosure statements on financial products that we buy. I'll give you an example. You've all, everyone's heard the story of me opening my new bank account at Westpac that you know, I had to visit three times, even though the, the, the teller who helped me out was so helpful and, and so knowledgeable. I then got in, I must have got four letters, physical letters, including this book that was sort of a third of an A4 size. It must have been about 40 pages long in size five, maybe six font. I'm never going to read it. And the government's saying, you can't rely, we don't want you to rely on all of the disclosures and disclaimers that you crammed into that thing because people don't read it and it's not actually keeping the public safe from your products. And what they're calling for is simpler products with simpler communication. I like it because the average Australian is going to be more educated on their financial world and what they're giving up to get these products into their life and to run their life. For fintechs, it's brilliant because fintechs are all about reducing friction and making the experience better. I've already called on this show for better ways to open business accounts and hopefully this sort of push that's come from ASIC, sorry, I did say government, it's actually ASIC, um, will we'll create a more innovative environment where we see more of that, Paul. Hopefully. Well, no, I, I, you, there's a lot more obviously clearly needing to be done in that um, plain text type stuff the uh very fine print is always always a struggle absolutely um my best on ground from the trenches 
Best Best on Ground was a Twitter thread by Ryan Reeves at investing underscore city, who breaks down the... Uh, His tweet read, Costco is a fascinating business. You know all those groceries you buy. Yeah, they basically sell those at break even and then make all their profit from the $60 annual membership fee. There is a thread here that that goes through. It is absolutely worth a read for any uh, numbers nerds or people who have a real interest in business models and what actually the drivers of these businesses are. Um, basically, he goes through the numbers as well as uh, some statements from, I think, their annual report and effectively just showed that the contribution of the membership fees as a percentage of the total bottom line uh, net profit is 98%, I think, or 99%. It was mm-hmm. just, um, it, it was pretty amazing um, in terms of, the business model. I mean, you you know, you don't know what it does to to the suppliers and to people down the chain, but you know, it certainly does flip that. It flips the business model, especially when you look at it against the other retailers. I was actually just on that final comment. I was talking to an accountant whose client supplies Costco and reckons it's one of the greatest companies to supply to. They put their orders in between six and nine months in advance, pay on time. They're an outstanding customer if you prove that your product sells well in their store. What's really interesting about this, and you've posted the Twitter feed, Paul, at the end of the Twitter feed is a link to a, it's kind of like a PowerPoint presentation of Ryan telling the story of how he's broken up the Costco business. This is literally one of the best visual uh, storytelling experiences I've ever had with numbers. Like he could have just given us a PL on a balance sheet and talked about all of this, but I strongly encourage you to click through the 146-page PowerPoint presentation because it is enthralling the way he's presented these numbers, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I probably spent half an hour flicking through it and reading it. It was just a great experience, Paul. It is. Uh, it was pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, cool. Last little uh, best on ground for me. From the trenches. Um, Interesting, just coming out, PwC globally is going to spend a massive $3 billion to upskill its employees. Going to happen over the next four years, um, looking at the skill gap um, between uh, skills to support clients um, and communities. Just a very interesting... um, they they say that it's to meet the challenges that is the growing mismatch between the skills people have and those needed for the digital world. Quoting from the story, there just in, just an interesting. Uh, it's a lot of money, even with I think two hundred and fifty one thousand employees. That's still a very big. Uh, uh, that's a very big number. Yeah, it's um, it's going to put a big gap between the. If you know, assuming that the other three of the big four will follow suit with something similar, because that's tends to what happens, it puts a big gap between them and the mid tier, doesn't it? Because and it it also says like you know we put so much pressure on chartered accountants and CPA and IPA to produce candidates that are job ready. When PwC is going to drop three bill, it's going it's going to be a different caliber of accountant. It's going to be a completely different type of person. We never know how the rest of the market is going to have access to. You never, you never sort of know. I'm assuming it works. Yeah, which Uh, maybe it's a false assumption. (laughs) 
it uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see four years down the track what what came out of it. Uh, anyway, let's move on to burst. Uh, no, what is it? Worst. Worst. <laughs> Worst on ground. On ground. From the trenches. Um, very rare that we put other accountants in worst on ground. Chris Hooper made it once and um, he won a bet because I think he had a bet with uh, Trent McLaren from Practice Ignition on who would make worst on ground first. I think I put Vanderbeek in once. You and I have made it, Probably. of course, but apart from oh, that. Oh, well, yeah, that's a given. Look, there's an accountant, Paris Financial. Um, you may have seen this guy around on LinkedIn. He's, he's loud, he's proud, he's a Richmond Tigers supporter. And his post from his company account, his opening line is, you've got to ditch your current accountant. Seriously, they are not providing you with the best tax return possible. But we can and we'll do it legally. Very rare, very rare accountants get that, uh, that anti-other. Competitive. Accounts. Yeah. That competitive, that that outwardly competitive, and it, it really stood out. So, this is more worst on ground from the you know how do you present your firm and how do you explain what you do and the values that you have. I've I've had many sales mentors over the years, including Wayne Schmidt, who you do freedom mentoring with, and this isn't one of Wayne's quotes, but one of the great quotes I got was never let the client feel that they that they've wasted emotions on their current solution because you don't want to embarrass them. Nobody wants to know they've got a, a bad accountant. So, uh, look, I, I'm not an expert in marketing accounting firms. We do a reasonably good, good job marketing ours, as I'm sure you do with yours, Paul. But it's very rare you see accountants opening with saying that the, the bloke you're currently with or the lady you're currently with isn't doing a good job. And, and I it's think, out there. And I think it's in, bold. In, his, in his defense, I, I lo- look, I love the videos that that uh, that Paris Financial put out. They're very engaging. I think this. I think the pro- the problem for me, and I saw this as well, David, was just that one line of um, you got to ditch your accountant. Uh, I actually think he, the videos are, are really quite supportive, but it is interesting to see people get that competitive. Oh, interesting. I just noticed there's a comment on the video, Simon Dorovich from uh, – Oh, uh, yeah, friend of, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show has just said, is this worthy of worst on ground, Paul and David? Oh, that's where I, I, must, I, have been where I, that must have been where I <laughs> saw it. Where we got it. Thanks, Simon, for sending it in. It made the show. Well done, well done, well done. <laughs> uh, David, I've got an interesting um, uh, scammer. God, I don't know about you, Dave. I mean, calls every other, every other day. This one seems to have... Um, stepped out of the phone and I'm talking about, you know, an email attempt or text message uh, into actually a personal uh, knock on the door. Two men uh, impersonating federal officers, geez, there's issue one, uh, turned up in an Adelaide man's home on Monday demanding they pay a tax debt through an FPOS machine. Uh, federal officers walking around with FBOS machines trying to collect tax debt. Not entirely sure that's what the uh, the ATO's remit is, but um, and apparently had uh, had very targeted because they'd received an automated phone message just before that. Um, so this was a little so bit like a, a one-two punch, an, om, an omni-channel marketing camp, marketing scam. Well, and I tell you, very sophisticated, knowing both the phone number and the address of where that mm. person is. I, this, you know, yeah. clearly a concern. Luckily, in this instance, no money was uh, was lost, as they were con- 
confronted and the people, uh, the scammers, ran off. But, geez, if they've, if someone's got your uh, – a knock at the door is never good. We have family. We have kids, David, and uh, never no, – very scary. Never good to see that. What else you got, mate? Um, I've just – this just in, Paul, the Royal Mint out of uh, the United Kingdom has produced an actual gold credit card, MasterCard. Made out of actual gold. Really? There's there's only 50. Now, apparently American Express already has one. There's only 50 of them. You can get it for $23,000, but you get zero foreign exchange fees. Winning. Go. Interesting. Well, I'm sure uh, I'm sure when you put it in the the, uh, the the deck, you will see the notes. There was, you're obviously just trawling the internet for content as we record, David. You, well, no, wonderful. it just came up. Uh, who uses this stuff? My cards get butchered. They're in my wallet. They're dirty. They get, you know, the plastic peels off the edge. Oh, waste of gold. The gold one. You had something on the gig economy, David. That was your other one. Thanks. I forgot. So <laughs> um, a lot of data coming out saying that the gig economy is nowhere near what people thought it would be. An article in the Harvard Business Review titled Myths of the Gig Economy Corrected says that uh, myth number one, millennials love to gig. Yeah, there's just this common possession that millennial workforce uh, want to be gig uh, gig workers. Well, 60% of them aren't. Only 24% of millennials report earning money from the gig economy. And actually, the percentage of millennials with full-time careers is rising, not reducing. Myth number two, we're all going to be gigas. The size of the gig economy and how fast it's growing is often over-imagined. Um, it's, it's actually less than 1% of global workers, as Harvard Business Review reports saying. Uh, gig is better. No, it's not. Gig work is unfulfilling. It just goes through these myths that we've been fed a very long time about the gig economy, Paul. Um, and it's backed up with another article that I found over on Substack.com, um, which is, is much more bold. And this is from a year ago saying everything we thought we knew about the gig economy is wrong. Um, the contingent worker data is completely different to what everyone expected. And as we reported on the show over in California, many gig workers are actually needing to be treated or get some sort of employment benefits. And I think when you actually read what the lobby groups are saying in Australia, they're happy to pay some benefits to their to their gig workers. So gig working pool could end up in 10 years' time as the, uh, you know, what was that phase where nobody has a real desk? What did we call that? Uh, I, uh, hot desking. Hot desking, yeah. It, it could be the hot desking thing of this decade. Yeah, I, I, the 1%, the 1% really... Um, it really surprised me, David. I would have, I would have thought that was higher, especially now. But anyway, there you go. Interesting. I, I think. Look, I think, I think that there's, there's certainly room in the gig economy. Um, I think it'll get bigger. Uh, the hot desking seems to have, seems to have overshadowed. But we do have an upcoming in-depth topic about remote working, which might also be one of those reasons that perhaps all these giggers just want, uh, just want to hang around real people. Who knows? That's it for the show this week. Paul, reach out to us if you've got any cool articles that you think we'd want to talk about. Thank you, Simon Dorovich, for doing so this week. Head to fromthetrenches.com.au and sign up to our newsletter to get all the show notes in your inbox. I'd like to say regularly, but really it's when we remember to do it. Absolutely. How's that for a value proposition? Paul? Absolutely. That is absolutely. And uh, have a great week. Everyone, chat to you soon. 
Så ja. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.